So I'm speaking with one of the most influential writers, producers, directors, and composers in film, Mr. John Carpenter. Uh, John, thank you so much for your time today. It's my pleasure. How you doing? Uh, really good. So to start, I'd love to know, um, you know, I know you've talked about kind of your origins and, and stuff and what kind of got you into filmmaking and music, but um, what were the, I guess, the things that you fell in love with about the art of cinema and the art of composing? And what are the things that you really love about it that made you want to make a career out of it? Well, I mean, I fell in love with cinema because of when I was really young, my family moved. We moved to a uh, a small southern town, which was in the grips of Jim Crow, and uh, it was not was not a good place to grow up. It was uh, an ugly, ugly place to grow up, and uh, I was uh, unhappy there. And uh, I ran to the movies to escape. That was that was my my place to to kind of hide from the world. So, first of all, it, that, that was the reason for I started to go to the movies. But then I fell in love with it. Just uh, it, it was just uh, astonishing to me. It was a mir- movies were a miracle, and they were they were my first love. Since my first love, yeah. But the music uh, was transformative, and it just went along with with what uh, what the movie was. So uh, you know, it all goes together. So you, yeah, you turned that into. I mean, you became kind of this uh, maverick kind of filmmaker, and really kind of wearing multiple hats uh, throughout the films that you've you've made. And I mean, you've co-wrote and produced. I mean, your first film you co-wrote, produced, and scored and directed, uh, Dark Star. And you continued to wear many different hats on your films throughout your career. I'm, I'm just curious: is it all neatly kind of organized in your brain uh, when you're making a film, or do you just flip a switch? I'm like, okay, I'm composing time. Okay, now it's directing time. Okay, now it's editing and producing. I mean, how does it all kind of? How do you make sense of it all? Well, I um, I attended uh, USC Department of Cinema, the, the School of Cinematic Arts, I guess they call it now. Mm-hmm. And I learned everything about filmmaking from the bottom up, all the aspects of making a movie. In those days, it was on film, of course, but uh, the editing, the sound, the mixing, the, everything, even the lab. I had a generalized idea of what was going on. And uh, so when you're a student filmmaker, you don't, have, you don't have money to hire people to do things, so you have to do it yourself. You know, it, you just don't have anything. So I, I started doing music for that reason because I was half-ass good, and uh, you know I had minimal chops, so I, well, I wasn't anything great. But um, I could at least fake my way through it. So <laughs> I, you know, put music on my own stuff and my my friends' stuff and whoever needed it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, so I'm not a composer, but when I need to write or envision a character or a scene in my head, I always turn to music. That's kind of uh, what ignites the ideas in my head. Um, for you, where does inspiration come from? Um, I guess what ignites that first idea that will eventually blossom into a story, or is there something typically that triggers you, or does it just happen? You know, whether you're in the shower or doing dishes or in the car, does it just doesn't matter. You're talking about storytelling, yeah, writing, sto- story, or, yeah, or just, yeah, writing. Oh well, that's a, that's a little bit different. I mean, I sit down and try to figure out something. An idea will come to me, a scene, a moment, a character, uh, uh, a situation. Uh, it just kind of breaks breaks loose in my head somewhere. 
I th- I suppose it's because of all the, you know, the rattling around and uh, that I've done in creatively in my life since I was little. It was really <clears throat> uh, fantasizing about movies and imagining them and uh, imitating the movies that I saw and making up movies that in the future that I could make. And I had stayed, you know, I had this imagination, I suppose. As well as my mother gave me the gift of fantasy so I could fantasize about this stuff. So when it comes down to uh, going back to music, when does that when does that start? What does that process start for you? Are you thinking about music in the writing phase? Or are you just turning that off till you have a finished cut of the film that you can start writing to picture? Uh, I, I don't think about music at all. I just uh, I improvise when the movie's done. Mm. And uh, it's, it's just a pure function of I have to do this. That's where it began. I began as a student filmmaker, and I have to get this done. And then uh, as I made more and more features, uh, you know, it's kind of, I, I kind of started to enjoy it. But then it got, it got really hard to do. <laughs> I mean, oh, my God. And I, it just became overwhelming. So uh, after a while, I, I had to stop. I, I can't do all this stuff now. I have to relax. <laughs> well, you, one of your uh, closest collaborators is, of course, composer Alan Howarth, uh, who has co-composed many of your films with you. I mean, when did you first meet Alan, and how has that collaboration evolved over your career? Well, Alan is is, is a an engineer, so he owns this equipment, mm-hmm. and we were put together because of his equipment. And so I did the music, and Alan hit the buttons and provided the uh, the music. Uh, sounds did it become more of a symbiotic relationship as as each movie progressed did you got kind of built a really kind of a close uh i guess more shorthand as you guys worked well it was pretty much the same every movie it was uh i would start i mean i would just get a sound and alan had this wonderful wonderful synthesizer called the oberheim and oh my god i love the sound of that And so, you know, we'd start there. I'd start with a dark, something dark and, or a high string or something like that. So it, it all depends. Yeah, of course. I, uh, you know, Alan, Alan was, a, was a pretty good engineer, but I moved on from him. Uh, and uh, he he's, has a career of his own now. So. Absolutely, yeah. Typically composers take their direction and guidance from their directors or producers. And since in you know these cases you were the composer and the director, um, did you ever rely on anyone else's uh, opinions or guidance you know, just to get a, a second point of view or constructive criticism from anyone else when it came down to the music, or were you just uh, confident in your choices? I, I, I don't know if it was confidence, but I just dropped the music in and it seemed to work. So, <laughs> you know, it was on the, on the stage, on the sound stage, we were mixing. I would Sometimes I would... Uh, 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 decide I don't want that particular piece. I don't need that. But I, I had the music ready to go. So I was pretty confident in my own choices. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite films of, of, of yours is uh, The Thing, which I think is just, you know, I'm sure everyone has told you it's such a brilliant piece of filmmaking from every aspect. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. And it's, yeah, it's my favorite horror film of all time. 
but I'm curious, you know, it has such a unique, you know, musical, uh, you know, background, of course, you worked with Ennio Morricone, but I'm curious, you know, how you worked with Ennio Morricone on that film, you know, stories I read online say that there was miscommunication, which, and then led you to kind of, you and Alan then again, you know, replace some of his music, uh, that, was that the case? No, 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 that's terrible, no, 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 that, nothing like that happened, nothing like that, that's terrible, I can't believe that, no. There's no miscommunication. Uh, and he all did his brilliant score. And uh, we didn't have the movie done for him, so what he did was he did several pieces of music uh, that were used in various places. And uh, he did just a brilliant opening uh, theme. I was, loved it. What happened was needed some uh, bridging music later in the movie, and then Ennio didn't didn't have we didn't have that, so I just ran and did some tones. I mean, there's nothing to. He didn't disappoint me. He didn't leave anything out. I just added a couple things. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, the, the opening. I mean his. Yeah, his stuff with your kind of uh, bridging and stuff. It, it it turned it into such a unique soundscape that I mean it's just it's the thing when you hear it. It's just amazing. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, did you ever see uh, Tarantino's Hateful Eight? Because apparently that some of that music in there was stuff that I guess wasn't used in the thing. I don't. I have no idea what what people are talking about. Wasn't used. We used everything. I, you know, maybe maybe Ennio uh, did not send me, or didn't didn't send me the music. Maybe he kept it for himself. And oh, maybe used it in the Hateful Eight, but it wasn't something that we used. So let's fast forward a little bit uh, to, of course, this year's uh, new Halloween directed by David Gordon Green. Did it take uh, any convincing uh, to come back to work on a Halloween film? Well, you know, yeah, it, but it took, it was a, more psychological than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Blum worked on me, and uh, he, he had a talk with me, and he said, you know, you're sitting on the sidelines there and shooting at, shooting at the Halloween sequels, he's, he said, why don't you do something unusual and help? <laughs> it's, it's just just criticizing. And I thought, well, you know, I could do that. I, didn't, I don't have to direct them, so I could I could help. So I did, and that's, that's how I started. And, uh, I mean, you got to work with your son, Cody, and uh, Daniel Davies. I mean, talk about that collaboration and getting to... I guess revisit one of the most iconic themes, you know, in cinema history. I mean, how did you work with, you know, your co-composers and uh, bring Halloween back in 2018? Well, I, Daniel and Cody and I have done uh, three albums together, so this is the fourth, and uh, we work really well together. And uh, we just waited until uh, the movie was shot and cut together. And we had a, a spotting session uh, with uh, the director. And usually that's what happens. You have spotting <laughs> sessions. And ask him what he wanted here and there, what kind of a tonal quality. And uh, then we went from there. And it, it was easy and fun. I mean, has Halloween, uh, you've probably heard about it your entire life. I mean, it's such an iconic film. Are you, are, you, do you still, are you still in love with it or you get tired of it? <laughs> Oh, the movie Halloween? No, yeah. I love it. But this new movie's terrific. It's just terrific. And it's very scary, and I'm real proud of it. 
Um, did David ever give you notes? I'd be so terrified if the composer of my film was also the writer and you know director of the original. I mean, how was the how was it working with David? Easy and wonderful. You know, yes, he gave me notes. He said, you know, don't do that. Make, <laughs> make it darker. You know, and and uh, yeah, okay, great. I, I'm, I was there to help help and please him. You know, I wasn't there to be a director. It's his movie. It's his movie with my music on it, and I'm I'm real proud of it. So it went well, it went very smoothly. So, kind of looking back at your uh, your career, you've, you've you've you made so many films, and I mean horror and sci-fi, but they had elements of you know sometimes comedy and romance and and everything. But in in, in focusing, I guess, on the horror uh, genre, and in just in terms of storytelling and filmmaking, what makes a good horror film, in your opinion? What makes a successful uh, entertaining horror film? It's all about story, and and, and there are no rules to horror. It's all about story, and if you have a great story that's compelling, then you cast it correctly, you have characters that the audience wants to identify with, and you do all the other things right, you, you'll have a good movie. But there are no you know, magical rules for horror. Horror is a li- lot like uh, comedy. It's about timing. But uh, I, I say story, story, story. That's what makes a horror film. And do you think that's why Halloween has endured, I mean, all these years that people, I mean, people are getting so excited for this new one, almost like uh, all the other sequels never, it it is, they're treating all the other sequels as they never happened. But I mean, how has it endured so long? And why do you think audiences still, I guess, gravitate towards it? I have no idea. (laughs) No idea. None. See, I thought there was no story left after the first one. But how wrong was I? God. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Michael Myers, he's had a he's had a he's had a very fulfilling career as well. <laughs> there you go. The character of Michael Myers, how did that uh I mean, the kind of giving kind of this idea to the slasher film like you know, just faceless and he doesn't speak. I mean, what was the idea behind that and how did that kind of come to be? Well, it was written <clears throat> it was written uh this is a low-budget movie, mind you, and uh, we didn't have any money for for anything really. So, the the character of Michael Myers was uh, a character who was just in between being a human being and then being supernatural. And so, you wanted to strip down his character, so he never spoke, and we didn't quite understand what he was doing, what his motivation was. Uh, you know, in the original movie, Donald Pleasance. Uh, runs around calling him pure evil and all these things. And, uh, he, and he keeps appearing and disappearing in the movie. So it was a chance to, uh, you know, scare the the audience. That was what it was all about. Yeah. And uh, so uh, he's he's neither man nor supernatural being. He's maybe both. He's a force of nature. And his, and his I mean, the mask has become iconic, of course. And I guess the story is that it was... Uh... A Captain Kirk mask? Is that the... the, the yeah, that's it. That's it? Yep. <laughs> Recently, you've gotten to you know revisit a lot of your old scores uh, via the albums that you've put out. And, of course, you're going on tour and performing live. Uh, again, you're going to be here in L.A. on October 31st for Halloween. Um, that's right. Yeah, many of today's composers, you know, such as Hans Zimmer, who I know and I know loves your scores, like especially Assault and Precinct 13, and so many other people look up to you. Has it, and you going back on, on your career, has it been enjoyable to kind of go back and look at everything that you've ever written? Or has it been a little bit like, oh, God, what did I do here? Oh, this, what, were I, what was I thinking? <laughs> well, 
I don't watch my old films. I can't because I, I'm, I'm too critical of them. Uh, I will watch, I'll start to watch an old movie and I'll think, what was I doing? Why is that so slow? Man, so I can't, it's too upsetting. Uh, they're done. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. I can do about it. And uh, God bless them. They live wherever they live and I don't have to worry about them. <laughs> do you get a thrill from performing on stage in, in front of a live audience? Yeah, it is fun, yeah. It's a lot of fun. We have a good time. Kind of looking at the current state of the film industry, you've you've, you've uh, you know you've taken a break from directing for a while, and it seems like I don't know. It seems like studios are running the, the multiplexes with the big tentpole films, but it seems like a lot of auteur filmmakers are are flocking to TV. Um, you know, I think Coen Brothers have a, a new thing on Netflix, and a lot of these great directors. I mean, do you see yourself ever coming back and maybe doing something uh, for HBO or Netflix or Amazon, something like that? Sure. I'll direct again, and I direct a feature again. Uh, it all depends. It, it all depends on a lot of aspects. But um, sure, if I like something, I do it. Uh, it would take a bit of convincing to get me up off the couch <laughs> and get out there. You know, I'm an old man now. The movie business has changed a great deal since I first gone in it, and since I was working. Yeah, um, just the whole process of making a movie has changed and uh it's just a different ball game and it's, it's not uh when i'm in my day you know there was always one person that uh was the head of the studio who you had to deal with and uh who you discussed the cut with but nowadays it's a a, a giant uh committee i mean it's really bizarre it's a it's a different world and then there's digital uh, working with digital it's not bad it's pretty easy to do but it's different, and, uh, you know, I don't like working hard. I've worked hard all my life. Yeah. I, I mean, like taking it easy. I mean, do you think uh, all this like, kind of this kind of business-like you know, approach to filmmaking, has it kind of uh, watered down the craft? Do you think that there's not as many good movies being made these days? No, they're making good movies, and but they're making bad ones. It's about the same. Yeah. It's all about the same. Uh, uh, movies uh, go through all sorts of changes and and you know from silent films to sound on and on and on and the truth is most of them are bad a few of them are fair a fewer are good and then every once in a while there's a great one it's all the same it's all the same i do think uh horror though has really had this resurgence lately and i think you can credit jason blum as well to to kind of this kind of micro budget horror films that are still letting directors, I think, direct. And I think you don't see that too often. And I think that's a, a cool thing, especially for horror. That's exactly what he's doing. And I think it's, it's great. Uh, I, I applaud Jason. He's, he's doing a good job. As much as he irritates me, I applaud him. <laughs> well, as long as his irritation got you back to, to score Halloween, I, I think that's all worth it. <laughs> Yeah, well, okay. Uh. <laughs> also, and focusing a little bit on uh, your work with science fiction and, and kind of stuff like uh, Escape from New York and Escape from L.A., Escape from New York has become such a cult hit, and, you know, these new releases are coming out and are remastered, and, and I think in the, they're doing 4K releases in the U.K. Um, that's such a, that, must, that must have been such an amazing film to just build the world. I mean, there's not just the, the story, but just the production design and everything. I mean, was that... Uh, that had to have been such a great joy. Well, 
I don't, I don't know who you've been talking to about movies, but directing a movie like Escape from New York is not a great joy. <laughs> it's a huge pain in the ass. It's, it's really hard. You know, it's not. I don't run around joyful and thinking, "Oh my God." No, uh, no, it, it was hard work, and we pulled it together. Let me put it that way. Thank God we made it. So you, you definitely probably look back at everything once it's finished and, and kind of relish in the final product. Do you find the actual production process just exhausting? It's like working in a coal mine. Yeah. It's hard, yeah. But, uh, you know, when it's done, that's why I say I love it when it's done. I don't, I'm not responsible anymore. I can relax. Don't have to think about it. <laughs> Well, just to kind of wrap things up a little bit, um, what are some films that uh, that you kind of hold close to your heart that you don't that you didn't make, but stuff that you would consider your kind of favorite films of all time? Well, you have to go back uh, uh, in the old days when I was young. Those are when my favorite films came out. I'm a big fan of Howard Hawks, so there's several of his old movies that I love dearly, and there are some new films that I am attached to also that I think are great. Uh, there's a few movies every year that I think are just really terrific. Um, but uh, I don't know. You know, I love Rio Bravo. I love Only Angels Have Wings. I love Forbidden Planet. Things like that are my favorite movies. Yeah. I would love to see you make like a, a Western. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to clean up the horse shit, so... <laughs> Uh, well, John, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And um, Absolutely, man. It's been a blast. Thanks. Yeah, thank you again. I really look forward to seeing Halloween. And, and I just want to thank you for all the movies you've made. It's, it's, all the hard work you put in was, has, has been worth it. So I just want to thank okay, you. Okay, man. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll talk. We'll talk later. We'll talk later.